You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. You'd like to play games with God and pretend to be close to God and still throughout the week love the world. You can't. And if anyone tells you that you can, they're lying to you. You can't. The one true and living God wants your affection and does not want your affection upon the world. You have to choose sides. So it should be obvious when you put the two out in front of you. The world, God, you can't love them both. Becoming a friend of the world automatically puts you at odds with God. Fondness, affection, intimacy, these are all words that should be describing a near and dear to you type of relationship. Do these words tell of your relationship with Jesus? Pastor Tom reiterates today that you cannot walk well when your feet are trying to take two different paths. Either you believe in God and all the hope that comes with His name, or you affirm the influence of what the world considers right. The Bible tells you that this world's ways will only lie to you and lead to ruin. You don't want that. Now here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Cure for Worldliness. James chapter 4, I'll read text verses 1 through 10. We'll continue in part 3 of our study on worldliness, and may the Lord speak to us each on this important topic. James 4, 1 to 10. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. We're going to continue looking at verse 4 today, and it's really still more of a strong rebuke. Look in the middle there of verse 4 after that phrase. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? These are not easy words, but these are so important for us to listen. I consider this the second incision that he's making to cut what needs to be cut out of us. Do you not know? That's one of those rhetorical devices that calls the listeners to remembrance. You've already been taught this. You know this. I'm sure you do. Maybe you have forgotten it. Maybe you need to be reminded of it. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. It's hostility toward God. You put those two out in front of you and think about it. There's God and then there's the world. Think about it. Friendship with the world is hostility toward God. What do you see when you think of God and then you think of the world? God is holy and, and the world is drenched in every nation of our world is drenched in iniquity. You know, God is good and gracious and man oppresses himself and acts unrighteously. There's not a lot of harmony there. 
Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And one, we're told God cannot tell a lie. The other one lives in constant darkness, and one lie on top of another on top of another is how you would describe our society. The way the world thinks, the way the world lives, the priorities that the world has, the way the world talks, it's nothing at all like when you pick up your Bible and you're trying to learn how to think, how to act, and how to talk. It just doesn't fit at all, does it? They're just polar opposites. There really is a war. The world hates the one true God. The world will love false religion and false gods. They'll embrace Him, but hates the one true God. And God's holiness really has an aversion to the sin that the world is drenched in. The world in its present condition, God cannot enjoy the world the way it is. And there's no neutral territory. There's no 10 miles marked out in the middle where you have one on the other side and you can meet and talk in the middle. There's just no neutral territory. God refuses to be friends with the evil world. You won't get God to be reconciled with the world if the world continues living the way it does. He sent Jesus to be reconciled with the world or to reconcile the world to Himself, but that calls for the world's repentance. You're not going to find friendship before that. God refuses friendship with the evil world. And so you and I are here and we have to choose. We can't be friends with both. You have to make a decision in your own mind, in your own heart. Nobody else can make that decision for you. You're going to have a battle in your own heart, your own mind for what you actually and really love. You may want to sit on the fence. You'd like to play games with God and pretend to be close to God and still throughout the week love the world. You can't. And if anyone tells you that you can, they're lying to you. You can't. The one true and living God wants your affection and does not want your affection upon the world. You have to choose sides. So it should be obvious when you put the two out in front of you, the world, God, you can't love them both. Becoming a friend of the world automatically puts you at odds with God. You cannot love this present world's system, its material luxury, its constant call to have more, to gain more, bigger this, brighter that, newer this, its lustful passions, give me what I want when I want it. It's puffed up selfish pride. I deserve a better life. You can't love that and love God at the same time. It's not possible. Yes, there are going to be leaders that tell you you can have the best of both worlds. You can have it all. You can have God and Jesus and the Bible and spirituality and religiosity, and then and you can have the world and live any way that you want to. We call those leaders false prophets. They're liars. The true God has spoken, and He has said He rejects this world. He rejects it. He loves it in the sense that He wants to save it. He doesn't love it in the sense that He likes it or He's in harmony with it. This world, the term is cosmos, the one that's used here. It's not talking about the physical planet. It's not talking about the mountains and lakes and the beautiful little birdies and the camels and whatever else you might see. Those are things that God made. He's pleased with what He made. That's not the problem. The world refers to fallen humanity. Humanity is a, humans were made as moral beings. We were given a decision. We're made in the image of God, and now we're fallen. Humanity's fallen. It has a, a fallen nature, a sin nature. And when 
that nature works with other human beings and they create a system in the world, that's what the world is. It's an arranged, it's kind of fallen humanity, the way it is arranged and in motion. That's the world. That's what he's talking about. Humanity living out its lost condition, pursuing its selfish desires, building up its own name, living in opposition to what God expressly commanded not to happen, indulgent in harmful practices, and then justifying the evil that they do. The world is a system of evil engulfing all of the lost and attempting to lure you and I into it as well. The world system includes every major component in human society. Its way of thinking infects everything. Politics is infected by the world. Business, education, the arts, sports, entertainment, even false religion. Its message then is conveyed through every kind of outlet, mouth-to-mouth, internet, TV, radio, your handheld devices. The world gets its message through all of them. Jesus warned all of his followers about this. He made it so clear in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. It hates God. It hates Christ. And now we're one of His. We bear His name. We're Christians. We're in Christ. You take a stand with Christ, you'll be hated. Christ and Christians don't fit the priorities and the purposes of the world. Dr. John MacArthur writes this, the world refers to the self-centered, godless value system and mores of fallen mankind. The goal of the world is self-glory, self-fulfillment, self-indulgence, self-satisfaction, and every other form of self-serving, all of which amounts to hostility with God. End quote. You can't be friends with that and be friends with God. God's all good. Why is that? Well, in part, it's because friendship to us is not quite the same thing that friendship was to the ancient world. That term friendship, philia, it's related to the Greek word for love, phileo, brotherly kind of love, an affectionate regard that we have for family members or other people we care deeply about. Friendship is an affectionate love. It's a word that was used of God the Father and His affectionate love for His Son in John chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus used it as the kind of love that He had, not only an agape love, but a phileo kind of love for His friends like Lazarus in John chapter 11 and verse 3. Also, the Father's love for Christ's disciples in John 16, 27. Friendship in ancient times, I think, was taken more seriously than friendship is today. In America, we have all kinds of levels of friendship, right? Some people say you're my BFF, my best friend forever, right? But other times, you you know, you think of someone in a bar and they're drinking with a buddy and they turn to someone else and say, meet my new drinking buddy, and he's now a friend. You go on Facebook and some people have 2,737 friends. And that's sometimes friendship is like that. That's not how it was in the ancient world. They took their friendship... They are very seriously, they were very loyal to friends. Often they would have to protect property together with friends, and they would be lifelong friends. They would make a commitment to one another. That's how it was. They were really allies. It was not a casual acquaintance. 
Notice next in verse 4, it says, Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If you understand what friend really means, it's talking about loyalty. Now you can understand why he had to write that. It's a very strong statement. There's a therefore on there. It shows that this part of the verse is drawing the conclusion. If you wish to be a loyal friend of the world's evil system, and by the way, that word wish is, I think, translated rather weakly there. It's the Greek verb bulamai, and it's, it's more than a wish. Sometimes we say, oh, I wish something would happen. That's not really what it means here. It's a determined position. Bulamai has to do with your, your will, your wants, your desires. In fact, it was used back in James 1.18 where it says, in the exercise of God's bulamai, his will, his determined purpose, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So this is not just a wish. It refers to purpose or intention. So this person has made a decision of his own will. He or she has purposed or intended to be a loyal friend of the world, to buy into the world, to want what the world wants, to live the way the world lives. This would be like Demas. Do you remember that guy? 2 Timothy 4.10. Paul writes, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He was on the missionary trip with the great missionary, Paul, and, and he looked at the costs of being missionary and all the things he was missing out, and he just decided, bye-bye, this is not for me. And he turned his back on the great apostle, and he went back to his material blessing or whatever else it is that he wanted, Demas. And so that's his name that's passed down to us. All Christians, unfortunately, flirt with the world at times. We're all unfaithful at times. We commit spiritual adultery. We have to look at that and look at that honestly. The heart that wants the things of the world committing spiritual adultery while, while God beckons us to love Him alone and love Him purely. But this here is not referring to our dalliances. This is not referring to our flirtations with the world. This is referring to a decision to depart and make the world your friend, your lover. Once someone makes that decision, God is now that person's ekthros, his enemy, his opposition. True believers saved of God and reconciled to God in Christ are never God's enemy because we're always in Christ. But this churchgoer has turned his back on God and walked back to the world. He has made himself an enemy of God. That verb, kathistemi, he, he has taken his stand on the opposite side and he has made the world his friend. That's what it really means. He's crossed over and he's purposefully joined the ranks of the ones that God says are his enemies. And that verb is in the present tense. It's in the middle voice. No one has done it to him. No one forced him to do it. He just followed his own lusts and he made a decision and he made himself an enemy of God. He has not just been overcome by worldliness and now he regrets it. He's made a conscious decision to join the world. That then is a picture of apostasy. Someone abandoning God altogether. He's heard about Abraham being a friend of God. He's heard about Abraham giving up all things to follow God. And he decided it's just not worth it. And he abandoned God. God is not his friend. He made his choice. I want to have what the other people in this world have. 
I want to enjoy the things that they enjoy. I want that for me. And he turned his back on God. I mean, brothers and sisters, this is laying it all on the line, is it not? This is a very serious portion of God's Word. If you are going to keep flirting with the world and flirting with the world, you need to look down that road and see where that leads because that's going to end your marriage. And I'm not talking about your earthly marriage. If you're going to keep saying, well, I want a little piece of that world, you need to know that where that is working, you look down the road and where it leads you to is to completely abandon your God. Remember Lot's wife? She was told to get out. Her husband really was the force of faith in that situation. Yeah, Lot was the force of faith in his family. That's right. But what she had, she wanted so much, so she did what? She looked back. That wasn't just a look of curiosity. What was that? That was a look of, of longing. Look what I had. Look at the home I invested in. The friends that I had. I want that. And God turned her into the pillar of salt. Oh, you better believe in the wrath of God. You better believe in it. You want to be a worldly person and enjoy what Moses said and that he ran from? It says in Hebrews that he rejected the passing pleasures of sin. Come on, they're passing pleasures. You enjoy them for a while and then they're gone. Well, then you need to know what you're choosing. It's no mere dalliance. You cannot be like the godless Hollywood stars and love God. You can't be like those dancing with the stars and love God. You can't be like the singing stars and love God. You can't be like that. They've chosen their lifestyle. They're living a worldly lifestyle. And some of them say they believe in God. Some say they love Jesus. Some of them sing about Jesus. They don't know God. God's holy. They don't have a relationship with God. You think you can have both? They're deceiving you. You can't have both. They love the world. When they stand before Christ, what's he going to say? I never knew you. You didn't live for the Father's will. You lived to get everything out of the world you could get. And you look at them, and some of them are your heroes, and you put posters up about them, and you wish you were like them. You can't go that way. Those aren't models of people that love God, that know God. When Jesus Christ returns on his white horse, and oh, yes, he will, and he comes back with a little name on it. What is it called? King of kings and Lord of lords, right? On his thigh and on his robe. And he comes back triumphant on that white horse, and he's going to set up by a war his thousand-year reign on earth. When he does that, do you think he's going to allow this in his kingdom? Do you think he will love that? You have to choose. You think you can love the worldly fantasies and worldly toys and worldly possessions and play your games over and over and over again, and all you're really saying is, my heart loves the world, and you don't want, you don't want to sacrifice for Christ's kingdom. You don't volunteer to serve. You only volunteer to serve when it fits you. Your heart is married to the world. Are you really even a believer? Do you have God as your friend? Well, God passionately hates unfaithfulness. He hates adultery. He says he will judge adultery. He hates every form of lying. Six things which the Lord hates, just seven which are an abomination to him, right? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. He hates greed. 
He hates sex outside of marriage that the world celebrates constantly. He hates all that personal self-aggrandizement from singers and sports stars alike. All they're doing is they're, I say they're a billboard for themselves. He hates that. God hates that. He hates all the crass, dirty humor you hear from the so-called comedians in the evening. He hates it. Do you kind of like it? Do you kind of like it? God hates all of it. Read your Bible. This isn't rocket science. Start anywhere. Leviticus would do. Jude would be fine. Matthew, Isaiah, Joshua, Galatians. He hates it. You don't need an expository sermon for that, do you? You are choosing short-term pleasure for long-term destruction. You can't have it both ways. What did Christ say? No one can serve what? Two masters. Why? Because when you try, you end up loving one and hating the other is what he said. It just doesn't work. It's not global warming you should be fearing. It's, well, God's not going to warm this world. (laughs) He's going to toast it. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Why would he do that to a world that he enjoys? He did it once. Remember? The flood. Why would God wipe out every man, woman, and child outside of the ark if he was pleased with it? He said he would never do it again by water. But he didn't say he wouldn't do it again. He's promised he'll do it by fire the second time. By the way, there's evidence of that flood on every mountain range on this planet where you see fossils of marine animals. The evidence is there. They've interpreted the evidence wrongly. It happened. And the water of the floods are what we call our oceans. And they were pulled back into the oceans. And you have to look at how geology was done. That happened on this planet. There was a worldwide flood. And there are stories from every corner of this globe, from tribes and families that didn't know each other, and they have various versions of that story, perverted through the years, but still a worldwide flood. That happened, and it's going to happen again in fire this time. God hates it. And just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't. Peter told us about that. They'll keep mocking the coming of the Lord. Where's the promise of His coming? Wasn't that 2,000 years ago, you silly Christians? How does God see this world? It's not like Louis Armstrong, what a beautiful world. It's not that way. What God sees is men corrupting what he made, twisting it, perverting it, lying against it, messing it up. As far as God is concerned, the world deserves to be torched. Jeremiah 10.10, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure His indignation. All the armies of the earth, when God marches, oh my, what are they? The nations are as a drop in a bucket. 2 Timothy 3.4 says, people of this world are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of who? God. Give them a choice. They'd love their pleasure but not love their God. That's a problem. You can't have the world 
and have friendship with God. He's too beautiful and holy. God will not allow you to sleep in two bedrooms. You come join him or you are an adulteress. You have to let go of one. You have to let go of one. Pretending is a great thing when it concerns the imaginative playing of a child. How about when an adult's covering what they truly think? Folks, you cannot fool God into thinking that you love Him when you're still trying to get the best of what the world's offering. As Pastor Tom stated today, our God-given free will and the tendency of wrongdoing comes together to produce selfishness. And when we justify our actions, this doesn't speak to living a life solely sold out on Jesus. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leek, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit hopebible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Do you find it amazing how people die for what they believe? Such loyalty. They make sure everyone knows where they stand. How passionate are you about serving Jesus? Pastor Tom dives into more unworldliness and how to cut it out of your life, so you'll want to make sure to tune in next time. Don't miss out on Jesus' truth and the danger of following the world. There's much more to learn from the book of Acts, so we hope you'll tune in again next time. If you'd like to listen again to today's teaching or share it with friends and family, you'll find it online at hopebible.org. Thanks for joining us on Discover Hope.